So uh, last week, if you were if you were here, you know that there were like two people over here and everybody over here. So this is perfect. This is perfect. So um, imagine uh, this scenario. James, can you pull me down just a tad, please, in the mic? Uh, imagine this. Okay, so you have messed up. I mean, you really, really messed up. You, you did something you never thought you would do. You did it to someone you never thought you'd do it to. You crossed the line you never thought you would cross. You went too far. You did too much. You drifted and you drifted and you drifted. And the person you love most in the world, you've let down. Now imagine the thought that you, when you realize, you know, I may never regain their trust and I don't know what I can do to regain it. And the truth be told, if I were in their shoes, I wouldn't trust me. Imagine what it would feel like to be in a place where you've gone so far, you feel like there's no redeeming you. That there's nothing that you can do to make things better. Now, for some people, uh, maybe here tonight, maybe not, I don't know. Um, maybe someone in your life, you don't have to imagine that. Because either you've lived it from one side or the other, or you have someone in your life who's lived it from one side or the other where somebody made a devastatingly relationship-changing decision and just, and just changed everything. My family is filled with people who've done such, both sides. Devastating relationship decisions that change the foundation of their families. I have friends who have um, had affairs, and they're still married. They they work through it. I've got friends who've had affairs, and they didn't make it long at all. Because in our relationships, there is a point for some people where you can do a lot, but if you cross this line, I'm done. Now, we get it kind of honest because we live in a culture, we live in a society governed by rules, right? We're governed by laws. And so what we understand, because society needs this, is the, the consequences for, say, speeding aren't the same as the consequences for a DUI, right? They can't be. The consequences for embezzlement are not the same as the consequences for murder. So we live in a society where we know that if you cross a certain line, you're going to get a certain punishment, but for worse crimes, there are worse punishments. And then you start to recognize that the reason we are governed by laws is because God wants us governed by laws. For all the people who you want to throw government away, here's what you need to know. In the Bible, in Romans 13, one of three institutions that God ordains is the government. And God's great idea is that government governs people. God's great idea is that we live in a place where there are boundaries and there are consequences for doing certain things. That's God's great idea for us. Now, I'm not saying there's not a lot of work to do in between all that. I'm just saying God's great idea is that we live in a system where we are governed. Um, taxes is God's great idea. And it's not very popular this time of year. Uh, not popular with me, but that's God's great idea for us, is taxes. And so, 
since we live in a society governed by rules where if you go too far, you do too much, you get this. And God's idea is that it seems like when it comes to God, there must be a point of no return. There must be a place where we go too far, we do too much, and God's done with us. In my 30 years of ministry uh, with kids, uh, with youth ministry, and with grown-ups, the thing that I talk to people about the most is this. I've done too much. I've gone too far. I messed up. How could God accept me because I've done this? How can anyone love me because I've done that? That's a pretty common thought process. It is the most common thing that I talk about. So imagine there you are. Jesus has invited you to dinner. And you, you park your car and you're walking across the parking lot and you start thinking, man, this is really cool. He's, Jesus invited me to dinner. And then you start going, wait, he didn't invite anybody else. What's this all about? And if you've ever, ever had a bad breakup, which basically means if you've ever been in a relationship with anyone, you've probably broke up with them or they've broken up with you. And, and, and you know kind of how that goes. When the guy or the girl says, you know what, it's not working out. I, I think it's time for us to kind of go our separate ways. It's really easy for us. It'd be easy for us as we walk across the restaurant. There's Jesus waiting for us at the table to go, you know what? This really feels like a breakup dinner. This kind of feels like Jesus is about to dump me. And the truth is, I can't blame him. Because what have I done? So imagine sitting down with all that guilt and all that shame, that burden on you, and you just sit there and, you, and, and maybe your hands start to shake because you know this is going to be really bad. And imagine Jesus says, look, here's the thing. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're going through. I know where you've been. I know what you've done. And I know what you're going to do. But here's what I want you to know. And imagine hearing this from Jesus. As long as you're breathing, you can always find your way to God. As long as you have breath, as long as you're alive, you can always find your way to God or back to God. And there are people, maybe in our church family, people in your life, people in our community, that they need to know that. That as long as you have breath, it's never too late. Now, I'm going to say this up front as a disclaimer because I kind of hit it uh, the other day. We're going to talk about a lot of different things, and there is a sin in the Bible from which there's no recovery. We're not going to talk about it tonight. We're not, we're, going to, we're not going to pretend it's not there, but we're going to kind of set it to the side because it is so complicated to, to figure out and so deep that it would take us weeks to kind of sort it out, okay? And so it's, people always say it's just a really simple thing. It's really not. So here's the thing. Here's what you need to understand, okay? There is no human being. There is no human being who is ineligible for salvation. Okay, no human being who's ineligible for salvation. That means if you're, if you're a person, it's never too late. Because Jesus came to the world to die for all people, not just some people. You know, he didn't just come for, for some of us. He came for all of us. Now, what we do with that invitation is up to us. That's up to us. But Jesus came to, for everybody, so there's nobody. Think about this. The worst if you want to think about the worst scum of the planet people, all you got to do is watch the news for 20 minutes. And if you really want to have some fun, watch the news, get on the internet, however you get your news, 
And you see all these horrible things going on in the world, horrible things going on in our country, and think about this. There is no human being ineligible for salvation. And I'll bet it will be really easy for you to go, that's not really fair. That's not fair. I'm trying hard. I'm doing my best. So I'm going to say this over and over again. So hear what I'm saying up front. God is not fair, but God is just. We should be grateful that God is not fair, but God is just. If God were fair, I'd be doing something else tonight. And Sunday I would have been at the beach. Because it would have been pointless to be here. Be grateful that God is not fair. Be grateful that God is just. So this is what Paul has to say about this whole thing. This is Romans chapter 5. It says this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now verse 7 says this. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a good, for a person who's good. But verse 8 is the key. This is the key. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So, let that sink in for just a second. Before we had a chance to, to blow it, before we could sin, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, God's great idea was that one day Jesus would come and die for us. When God created the Garden of Eden, he knew Jesus was going to come into the world. And he did it anyway. God showed his love by sending Jesus into the world. Jesus showed his love by dying for us. Before we could reject him, when we're rejecting him, and after we've rejected him. So because this is true, because there's no point where you're ineligible for salvation, because as long as you have breath, you have a chance to redeem your, to be redeemed by God, there's two absolute truths we want to talk about tonight. And here's the first one. First one is this, and this is, uh, this is my favorite, one of my favorite things to talk about. So I've got to be careful here. God does not place sin on a curve. Now, I don't know if any, uh, I'll ask, is anybody like, it's probably happened in college. Anybody have a professor in college or somewhere along with it graded on a bell curve? Anybody? Do you know what's great about professors that grade on bell curves? Because it, the general rule is this. It's probably because their class was so hard and their tests were so hard, without the curve you couldn't pass. Without grace from the professor, you couldn't pass. So we had in college, we had this guy named Bill Wade. And Mr. Wade was, as far as I'm concerned, the smartest person who's ever lived, not named Solomon. Okay, he is, he knew everything about everything. Uh, one of my buddies one day re did some research, looked up this idea, uh, this, was ask, we'd always ask him random questions, he was just interested. And we're like, man, he's just making stuff up. And so, one, so either he's really smart or really convincing, or both. And so one day, this, one of my buddies looked up some information, this butterfly. And, and he asked him about it in class. And he started telling us about the butterfly. And we're all looking at him and going, he's right. And we're going, how does he know? I don't know, but he knows, he knows everything. He's so smart. But you could not pass his test without the curve. Okay, so go ahead and go to that next slide, James. This is not Mr. Wade's curve, but this is an example of bell curve. I'm going to explain to you uh, Mr. Wade's curve because he... Uh, one day we thought we were gonna we could like waste some time and get him to explain his curve because he loved talking about it and he did that. But it's pretty fascinating. 
So Mr. Wade's curve worked like this. 20% of the class was going to make an A or an F. 10 and 10. It's just the way it was going to work. So you either you were really, really bad, or you were, eh, okay. 20% of the class made a C, I mean, excuse me, made a B, or made a D. 10 and 10. 60% of the class made a C. Three classes, two Bs, one C. You know why? Because you grade on the curve. There's, I, I, I am not ashamed to admit this, and it's not something you, you really should tell. I didn't tell my kids when they were in school. His tests were so hard, I quit studying for them. And I figured I had just as good a chance of getting that 60% as I did if I studied. And I did for him. Now, no one didn't work for anybody else. We passed his class because he put everything on a curve. That's, that's what he did, and, and, and that's fine. A lot of us think that's how God deals with us, that, we're on, that God kind of grades us on a curve, and there's some people that are over here, and they're, gonna, they're pretty good, so he's kind of a little graceful with them. There's people that are really bad, so you know, we're going to throw them away, those people we, we talk about and see in the news. You know, they're over here. They're done. But then there's the people that are kind of okay, and they're not as bad, but kind of bad, and God just puts them in categories. And then there's the rest of us. A lot of us think that God grades us, grades sin, deals with us on a curve, and he puts us in these categories because how else can you explain a society where people are just so rebellious and sinful? How else can you explain it? So this is what James has to say on the matter. In James chapter, uh, James chapter 2, it says this. For the person who keeps all the laws... Now, we're going to walk through this because this might, depending on how your, your point of view, it's either going to be grateful or it's going to make you a little mad. All right? For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. So let's stop there. So James says this. He's, he's talking the same thing Paul's talking about. James says this. He goes, so here's the deal. If you have someone and they've, and they've kept all God's laws except for one, and they're here, and over here you have someone who's not kept any of them. So all these folks over here, they, they're doing whatever they want to do. They ain't keeping any of the rules, right? Over here, you guys, you're keeping all the rules, but there's just this one. Everyone's got a one. James says, this. It doesn't matter which category you're in. It doesn't matter if you are, for the person who keeps all the laws except one, is as guilty as the person who has broken all the laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. And I, and I don't know what you're thinking, but every time I read this, this is what I think. It's really not fair. It's not fair for the person who's trying really hard to live their life the right way. But remember, God's not fair, but God is just. Be grateful that God is just and God is not fair. Because if God were not just and God were fair, we'd all be in a lot of trouble. Because we can't do what we're supposed to do. And the other deal is that God understands something we need to understand. And Paul talks about it in Romans where he says, everyone sinned. 
all fall short of God's standard. In other words, everybody's a mess. Now, there's, there's people a little more broken than others and a little more, but everybody's got a mess, and everyone is a mess. And Paul says, we're all in the same boat. So the person who keeps none of the laws is in the same boat as the person who keeps almost all the laws. And the boat is, we're, we're a mess. We sin. That's why God is not fair, but God is just. Because we all make a mess of things. So what it means is this. It means that God doesn't put sin in categories. Now, we do that. Uh, we put sins in categories in, in, in society. But we also do it, if we're honest, we think about people who do certain things as being worse than people who do other things, right? I mean, that's what we do. Because we're not capable of thinking any other way, but God doesn't deal with us that way. God doesn't put sin in categories, which means he doesn't put sinners in categories, which means there's not this curve in heaven where he's got you kind of pegged in your spot. Because there's no curve, it's a flat line, and everybody's in the same boat, and everybody's in the same place. Be grateful that God is just and he is not fair. The next time you find yourself going, that's not fair, catch yourself and think, man, I'm so glad God is just and not fair. Because if God were fair, because here's the deal. Here's the deal with fairness. Fairness is a concern with me. How I stack up to everybody else. That's the way it is. You have two kids, and, you know, we... We raised two kids, and we didn't raise them exactly the same. I mean, you could say it's because it's a boy or girl, but it was their personalities were different than nice day. Okay, we just didn't raise them the same. We didn't do the same for them. And my kids all the time, it's not fair. And we go, yep, talk to Adam and Eve, because that's where fairness went out the window. But the truth is, fairness went out of the window when Jesus came into the world. And justice prevailed. And so... God says, here's the deal, we're all the same. Be grateful that God is just and he's not fair. Be thankful that he puts all of us in the same boat because if we're in the same boat, we can get to the same Savior. Be grateful that there's nothing, as long as you have breath, you can find your way back to God. Be grateful that you can find your way to God because if God were fair, you could not because God's just, we can. Now because all those things are true, we have to look at the second part of this. And the second thing we're going to, the second absolute truth is that God deals with sin, not the symptoms of sin. Now, if you've ever had a cold, right, you know that there, there, there are people who have colds that the symptoms manifest themselves in different ways, right? Um, they're not universally the same. For, for example, um, when I tend to get a cold, I just feel bad. That's how it starts. Some people get a little bit of fever when they get a cold. Some people don't. Some people start coughing. Some people don't. Some people cough a little. Some people cough a lot. Some people cough so fierce that that nasty stuff from the depths of your soul, soul starts coming out, right? And because you just can't help yourself. And so when you go to the doctor, he doesn't, he, he doesn't go, hey, what's wrong? I've got a cold. He goes, well, well, tell me what your symptoms are, right? And you tell him what you're doing. He goes, okay, here's the deal. You have a cold. Well, my, my wife had a cold, and she didn't do it. Yeah, well, that's because she's tougher than you are. You know, so you have a cold, and 
crystal's tougher than you. That's just how it works. Well, when I had the flu, it doesn't matter. When we, in diseases, even as heinous as cancer, symptoms don't manifest themselves in the same way. But cancer is cancer, a cold is cold, and flu is flu, and sin is sin. And God doesn't deal with the symptoms of the sin. He deals with the sin. That's what he does. And sin manifests itself in different ways. For example, um, gossip's sin, right? Lions of sin. Um, murders of sin. Adulteries of sin. I mean, you can just go on and on and on and on. And, and these sins present different symptoms, but a, and that's why God says a sin is a sin. It's all the same. So consider King David. King David, a man after God's own heart, uh, we've talked. To, I think we talked about him a little bit last week. Um, had an affair with a married woman, and when he found out she was pregnant, decided to cover it up, and and so he had her husband, who was his friend, killed. Right. By the way, King David. Let me just save you the trouble. We'll talk about him somewhere along the way. I'm sure we'll do a deep dive in his life. King David was a amazing king. He was a great warrior. He was a great general. He was a terrible, terrible father. And a terrible husband. He was terrible. But still, he was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because God didn't deal with the symptoms of his sin. He dealt with the sin. So here's David, from his own words, after this prophet named Nathan has come, confronted him in his sin and said, look, here's the deal. And it's really simple. Um, this child that's going to be born to, to you guys is not going to survive. But I'm not done with you. And so this is what David says in the 51st Psalm, verses 3 and 4. He's talking to God and he says this, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you, now check this out, against you and only you have I sinned. Now, stole a man's wife, killed the man. Tried to cover it up. Tried to be the hero. Everyone says, oh, David's such a great guy. But he says, it's only against God that I sinned. Now, he sinned against some people, but at the end of the day, it's God who holds them accountable. Against you and only you have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. Your judgment against me is just. David didn't go, I've done this, I've done this, I've done that. He just said, I have failed you. He goes straight to the sin. He doesn't talk about the symptoms doesn't mean that they weren't important. So let me say this also before we go any further. When I say there's no line you can cross, as long as you have breath, you can find your way to God or back to God. That's true. But here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean we get to do what we want, when we want, because we can always find our way back to God. There's still real consequences for our decisions. Right? I can't... If you have ever had to punish your kids, you can forgive your kids, you can love your kids, but you've had to punish your kids. You've had to discipline them, right? And, and, and it's not like, you know, and, and I remember uh, when I think Brittany was, I don't remember how old she was, but she was talking about this idea. She goes, you know what? I said, oh, sorry. Okay. So I shouldn't have any consequences. Yeah, sorry, honey. That's not how life works. It's not how the world works. and It's not how God works. Just because we can find our way back to God doesn't mean 
there won't be a price. We still pay for the things we do. With that said, here's what we learn from David. Here's what we learn from, from, from the cross. And that is there's no such thing as a line that you can cross that disqualifies you from God's grace and His mercy. There's no line. There's no imaginary line. There's no I've gone too far. There's no I've done too much. There's no God can never forgive me. How can I look at God? There's no thing we can do that disqualifies us from God's grace and His mercy. So imagine there you are in the restaurant and you're just carrying all this stuff around because you have failed Jesus. And not only should He forgive... You know, you get to this point, you go, you know, I'm not even sure I should even be here at the table with him. I mean, he's done so much and I just keep letting him down. And imagine, Jesus says, look, after he talks to you about all these things and your sin and his burden, he says, look, here, here's the thing. You're carrying this burden around. In the olden days, it was called a yoke. And this thing is strapped to your back and it's weighing you down. And here's what it's doing. It's keeping you from me. And it's keeping you from, from accepting my love. And it's keeping you from, from uh, interacting with people. And it is weighing you down. It is pushing you to the ground. And you were not created to carry that burden. We were not created to carry guilt around. We were not created to carry shame around. And we were not created to carry around this idea that there's, there's a point where I can go so far where God can't accept me or love me. So imagine Jesus says to you, look, you weren't made to carry this burden, but you know what? I was. I was. And I've got big, broad shoulders. And so I want you to give this burden to me so you can be free. I want to lighten your load. So you're going to dump on me. And then we just say, well, how do I do that? He says, then, then just come to me. So imagine hearing Jesus say this, just come to me, all of you, who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Guilt is a heavy burden. Shame is a heavy burden. But the yoke of Jesus is to lighten our load, not to heavy, make us heavier. The yoke of Jesus is to, to make it easier to follow him, not harder to follow him. So as long as you have breath, you can find your way back to God. As long as you have breath. So where's the point of no return? And here it is. When you don't have breath anymore, and you meet Jesus face to face, at that point in time, it's too late to get your act together. It's too late to say I'm sorry. It's too late to say, you know what, I, I meant to follow you. I, I, I meant to serve you. I meant to give my life to you, but I just it's got really busy. How about you let me slide in the back door? There's no back door. As long as you have breath, you can find your way to God or back to God. It's not fair. But there's nothing fair about the cross. There's nothing fair about Jesus taking the burden of our sins on his shoulders. There's nothing 
fair about being beaten beyond human recognition? To where your own mother doesn't even recognize you? There's nothing fair about the cross. Be grateful that God is just and he is not fair. And because God is just and he's not fair, I'm telling you, as long as you have breath, there's always a chance for you to find your way to God or back to God. Lord, we are uh, um, and we just carry some heavy burdens around and, and we really we make things hard on ourselves sometimes. So often we look at what we've done and we and we and we look at other people and we go, you know what? I wish I could be more like them. I wish I could live more like them. And what we don't know is that person that we think is so great is very likely saying to you, I wish I could be more like them. Because when it's all said and done, Lord, we are all in the same boat. And the boat we're in is really simple. We have been saved by your mercy and your grace. We've done nothing to earn it. We've done nothing to deserve it. But that's what grace and mercy is all about. And your shoulders are broad. Lord, if there's somebody here who's going through something and they just think they've gone too far, I pray that you will remind them there's no such thing as too far. And if there's someone we know, Lord, maybe we need to talk to them about that as well. I pray, Father, that we can live free of guilt and free of shame. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, very appropriately, um, we are going to uh, have communion here in just a moment. This is our weekly reminder that Jesus is carrying all of our burdens. And, and maybe for you, you need some symbolic thing in your life to lay them down. When you take communion, it's a great time to lay your stuff down. It really is. It's a great time to lay your guilt and your shame and whatever you're carrying around. This is a light load because Jesus has done the heavy lifting for us already. So uh, I'm going to ask John to, to come up here with me and um, after we pray, we're going to invite you to come down the center aisle and, uh, and take communion with us, okay? Lord, we are reminded every time we gather around this table of your amazing love for us. How could we go too far when you went to the lengths you went through for us? There's no such thing as too far because of the cross. There's no person ineligible for salvation because of the cross. We can lay our burdens at your feet because of the cross. We are free because of the cross. And we can live lightly because of the cross. So for those who are participating tonight, Father, I pray that this will be a time where we remember what you've done for us. The love of Jesus. And understand this is a time to lighten our load. To lay our burdens at your feet. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.